And welcome to a brand new episode. Um, so before we start our episode and introduce our guest, I want to give a shout out to the guys from Seesaw Podcast because they gave us a shout out on their latest episode. Um, and they've mentioned us a few times. And they've also gained a few American listeners thanks to us. So, yay! Yeah, so go and check out our mini series that we've been doing with them. We definitely plan to record another one soon. And we also hope that people in the UK have started listening to us as well. So, Kimberly and I are going to introduce you guys to a guest of ours for this episode. We are going to talk about audiobooks and braille books and just literacy in general and we have one of our favorite people the lovely Cheryl Orgus with us today and she is the director of ABLE and ABLE stands for uh, audio braille literacy enhance enhancement right? Audio and braille literacy enhancement that's us. Yep so here I'm introducing you to the lovely Cheryl Orgus, and Cheryl, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about Abel and how you became involved and, like, basically, like, the history of Abel and, like, what Abel does and how you guys help the blind community and our love for reading, because we love reading. Well, I am delighted, Angie and Kimberly, to be with you today. Audio and Braille Literacy Enhancement started back in 1965 with a different name. We were called Volunteer Services for the Visually Handicapped. At that point in time, I was a little five-year-old girl, a totally blind uh, child, and I started school at Holy Assumption a parochial school in my area where there was a room for a resource room for blind children. Sister Mal Marie Stoll is my idol to this day. She was my teacher of the blind. She started this program back in the late 50s. The archdiocese sent her to school to become a teacher of the blind so that she could start a resource room for the blind said, this is great, but I need Braille books for my children. Out of that passion, a number of key people in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, came together to figure out a way for Braille books to happen for blind children. The library here in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Public Library, leased space to Sister Mel and told her that we had a space for life. We are still in that library today. She gathered a bunch of uh, key players and volunteers together. These volunteers became Braille transcribers. So my books in first grade were all done by this very organization that I now lead. I can't tell you how proud and privileged I feel to be running this organization and growing us into the future, given that this organization was key for my success as a child. I know both of you know this, but Braille is essential for living full successful lives and participating in life. And they, there have been studies done that show that of the 
blind people employed, 80% of those individuals use Braille on a daily basis at work. Given that we have a 70% unemployment rate, we're talking about the remaining 30%. Most of us use Braille on the job. I'm especially proud because of this to be leading this organization into the future. The organization started with volunteers and we still have volunteers as a key part of what we do every day. The volunteer team is at the heart of what ABLE does. Our mission is broader than Braille. We produce Braille, audio, and tactile formats for blind and print disabled uh, individuals. Braille happened to be that key motivator to get this organization started when I was a little girl. I'm a power, power Braille reader, always looking for more books to read as, as a child. So grateful to have organizations like ABLE and other organizations throughout the country still making Braille available. Another part of what we do is audiobooks. We have been recording books almost since the beginning of our existence. We use the Reel-to-Reel -reel player. I don't know if, if Angie and Kimberly, you dealt with Reel-to-Reel, -reel, but um, that's how books were recorded and listened to uh, back when I was um, in high school. And I can tell you it was a real pain. <laughs> then we moved to the um, cassette players and now to the the amazing digital player designed by the Library of Congress uh, for the National Library Service. We have been recording on cassette for many years. What happened is the books would get sent to a limited number of people in Wisconsin. We do Wisconsin authors in particular. We record Wisconsin authors uh, for the Talking Book and Braille Library. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. We uh, have done, oh my goodness, let's see. We, oh, I can't even think how many books we've done since the beginning. However, we made a crucial change in 2008 when the Library of Congress, National Library Service, switched to digital. We realized in order to stay in the game in the audio world, we needed to switch to digital numerous organizations actually stop producing audiobooks at that point because it's much more challenging. Well, both of you know, doing sound editing, how much more work it is to record than if you just have a cassette player and the quality wasn't as good as a cassette player, but everybody had the same quality. Mm -hmm. And now there's no way we could keep up with digital books if we didn't move into this this realm of doing digital um, versus analog. Mm -hmm. So we moved, we moved to digital, but the next big um, change we made is we built a sound studio. It was a $200,000 project. We have a sound studio with two sound rooms. I would love actually for, well, Kimberly, you've seen, you've seen our sound studio. Actually. I haven't seen the sound studio, but I saw the uh, the Braille, all the Braille works and the huge embosser setup you have. And right, right. I can't believe we didn't uh, take you on over to the studio. We should have. I know we were all very focused on Braille that day. I really want <laughs> so to go see the studio. You need to see it, Angie. It's impressive. I think I would fall in love with it and just be like, can I just stay here, please? <laughs> I know. It's great. Because we have the studio, the National Library of, of Congress, the National Library Service accepts our books. Oh, so wow. we record Wisconsin authors, we give them to the Talking Book and Braille Library, then the Talking Book and Braille Library puts them um, in their catalog and submits them to the National Library Service so they all go on BARD. Oh, wow. We've been studying our impact over the last seven years. And our books have been downloaded 22,000 times since wow. the uh, fall of 2015. 
We've always had great impact in our audio area in that we would record materials for students mm -hmm. from grade school to college, and we would record books for Wisconsin uh, patrons. However, it never had such a dramatic reach throughout the whole country. Wow. The third area that we are focusing on is our tactile area. Braille is such that in the olden days, when we would get Braille books, many times the transcriber would say, see your teacher for a description. And or there might be uh, tactiles, but they were just much harder to do before the age of uh, computers and drawing programs. We've done tactile since the beginning. In fact, we had an amazing tactile artist who would build tactiles from scratch. And he, he had an amazing amount of materials that he would use to build tactiles. Then we would thermoform those tactiles. They still make amazing tactiles, but it's very time consuming. We moved then to using drawing programs as embossers became uh, better at doing tactiles. And of course, now we have tactile embossers. So we went from doing, oh, maybe a dozen or 20 tactiles to in 2014, doing over 1200 tactiles. We dramatically increased our ability to produce tactiles quickly. Now, I will tell you, we have a number of students that say our tactiles are the best throughout the country. Wow. I hope to someday become a national uh, production service for tactiles. That's that's our next frontier. Uh, that would be if, awesome. If I may, I'd like to talk to you about our three, the three frontiers that I have tackled in my time as director. And is that okay? Yeah, yeah. that's fine. Go ahead. I was hired in 2007. Uh, I'm a, a social worker by trade. Oh, wow. And I was a group coordinator. Times have changed in the group world. There are many fewer groups out there. People are using the computer instead. And I, I joke that many times what used to be a support group now is people's book group. <laughs> so times changed dramatically. So that meant it was a time for me to change. About the time that I was seeing the writing on the wall in group coordination, this job at ABLE opened for director. I started in 2007 amazed at all the volunteer support we had, amazing braille trans transcribers and, and audio recorders, and this one person who did our tactiles. My first venture into a new frontier is shifting from doing textbooks Teachers are not Braille transcribers, and yet many times they're forced to do all this transcription at night so their students have material the next day. We shifted to a quick turnaround service so that we could do those Braille and tactile materials so that teachers weren't burdened with those uh, materials. Excuse me. So we switched to doing quick turnaround materials so that children had Braille and tactile documents produced by certified Braille transcribers. Also, teachers weren't burdened by having to produce all these materials on the side while they're also trying to teach. We developed that program over a few years. Now we are working with Milwaukee Public Schools and 10 other school districts throughout the whole state doing these quick turnaround materials. The second frontier for me is moving our audio program from serving a few people at a time with cassette books to thousands of people at a time with our digital books. So as we talked about, what happened is we built the sound studio so that our books would be accepted by the National Library Service. So anywhere between 4,000 and 6,000 digital downloads happen every year. 
as well as cartridges that are sent out by the Wisconsin Talking Book and Braille Library. I just can't tell you how excited I am for us to have made that shift. Our books sound so good, and we're, we're challenged to keep up with national library standards. The third area that I've talked about is this tactile area, and this is my next frontier, that I really want to see us build a pool of tactiles that can be used throughout the country. At this point, we're working with our, our school districts in Wisconsin making tactiles available. That's my exciting plan for the future. I'm in my 60s now, and, and I hope to be with Abel another six, eight years and see us move into this next area in a, in a bigger, more broader way. I think wow. it's so fascinating how it all started. Yep. I never knew that. That is so cool. I am awed every day, Kimberly, when I think about the volunteers and how much work they do. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without a lot more dollars if we didn't have our volunteer team. Our volunteer team did over 7,000 um, hours of work in 2021. What we do when we do our audit and build our budget, we factor in those volunteer hours in money. What that means is I would have to find another $200,000 in order to produce all the material that we do. Okay. We have a volunteer with us that has been with us since 1981. Oh, and she wow. just finished working on a, on a Spanish curriculum book. Wow, that's amazing. I think it's amazing, like, everything that you guys do, and <clears throat> especially the the tactiles. Um, so, so those are, like, drawings, right? So, like, let's say if you, I don't know, if you have a student studying geometry, like, would that be exactly. something that you would do? It okay. would be the geometric diagrams, Angie. It could be uh, uh, charts and graphs. We do and, like, many data. Math. Pardon? Like like data charts? Yep, yep. Lots of okay. lots of charts and, and uh, graphs for math. We oh, wow. have done the dissection of a worm. We have an amazing periodic uh, atomic table. We do Braille games every year with the Milwaukee Public Museum, Vision Forward, and the Wisconsin Talking Book and Braille Library. We also use um, ABLE volunteers and volunteers from Beyond Vision. We do a tactile and braille book every year for this activity. So one year we did oceans. So we had different kinds of fish and we had a wave pattern. Another year, even virtually, we still did braille games and we made a book called um, Apple, um, Making an Apple Pie around the world we mm -hmm. did a tactile book of just some of the items in this book cinnamon sticks apple and and other items we also did a map that showed the different countries where this little girl went to get her ingredients from so Sri oh, that's Lanka, awesome. France, england Aww. it just it's just so fun that is so sweet we also did a map for Lions Camp. I know a lot of people go to Lions oh, Camp. Oh, yeah. We work with the Urban Ecology Center. We did a map for the Urban Ecology Center. We also have consulted and we brailed uh, books for them about the Urban Ecology Center here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Our reach is broad from school districts to local organizations that are recreational to the election commission where we do braille ballots for those people who want braille rather than using the um, audio machines. We work with the Milwaukee Symphony Orchestra, the Marcus Center doing playbills. 
and we do material for uh, the, the Transit Authority of uh, Milwaukee. So our reach is wide. Uh, it's, I'm very proud to, to know that we're a part of, of Milwaukee and Wisconsin. Yeah, I that's remember, that's awesome. I remember getting audiobooks as a kid, and I still listen to audiobooks all the time, and I read Braille every day. And I actually, for our listeners to know, I did a job shadow by Cheryl in Abel when um, I was thinking of going into Braille transcription. And that was really nice to tour the building and meet the volunteers. And I never knew until then that you guys did assignments for teachers and things like that. I think that is really smart. And yeah, not all teachers know how to translate things into Braille. And uh, students really struggle. So I think that is really neat. And also, I have a question. If there is um, someone, we have a family friend who has written a couple books and she can't get them on Audible because of the production company she works with. Are you guys a company that can produce her book audibly? When we get requests for audible recordings of books, we work with the Talking Book and Braille Library. They have to approve the Wisconsin. Is this a Wisconsin author, Kimberly? Yes. So they have to approve the books we record. And then if they, if they approve them, then... Uh, we record and they go on to BARD. If it's not accepted by WTBBL, we could record the for instance, as oh. a blind person. We, our mission is to provide alternative formats for people who are blind or print disabled. So we have to make sure what we do is in, a, in an alternative format for this population. Otherwise, we're not following copyright law. Okay. So you could request them and we could record it, or we could see if WTBBL would accept them. The reality is there are over 200,000 books published every year. So mm -hmm. the WTBBL can't accept every book done by every Wisconsin author. However, they take my suggestions. Okay. That's good to hear. Thank you. I yeah. am just amazed at the synergism at, at ABLE between the volunteers and the staff. We are very, uh, if I might say so myself, a very well-run organization Part of that is the culture at ABLE, that that staff are, they rise to the best that they can be as they're working with volunteers who don't have to stay with us. If they don't like it with us, they can just go somewhere else. So we all need to be the best people that we can be. Our, our volunteers stay. As I mentioned, we have one volunteer with us for 40 years. I'm thinking of another volunteer who started in 90 as an audio reader. Now she's not able to audio read anymore, but now she reviews our books. So your books, they eventually come on BARD if they approve it, you're saying? And then yes. if someone goes on BARD, they can listen to it. Exactly. Okay. The process of getting an audiobook recorded starts with either a book coming from the Talking Book and Braille Library, they, they purchase two copies, or an author comes to us, we get it approved by the Wisconsin Talking Book and Braille Library, and then we get two books. 
the library does what they need to do to get um, something processed. The way that we get um, audio books processed that end up on BARD, it, it, one of two ways. One is that the Wisconsin Talking Book and Braille Library gets us books. They order two copies. They get it processed. They write up the description for the beginning of the book. They walk over to us because we're neighbors. We're right next door in the same oh, building wow. at the public library. Our audio manager or audio assistant work with a volunteer then to record that book. The audio staff are reading that book along with the volunteer. They're looking at the print hard copy book. They're looking at the screen where they're seeing the, what you, you two would know this better than I, the waves and so that they're hearing when voices are louder and softer. Mm -hmm. You know, they're also listening that words are said properly. They do some editing on the spot and then our staff do editing later. Mm -hmm. Then they have the volunteers come back in to make corrections. We also have audio reviewers who listen to the book while they're following in print to find any more errors that happen. After that, then final edits are done. Then we give the book back to the Talking Book and Braille Library. They do two things. They put it on their catalog and they get it to the National Library Service so that it will get on the BARD, Braille and Audio Reading Download site. The Talking Book and Braille Library also sends a cartridge out to Wisconsin patrons. There are many patrons who aren't on the computer. They like to get their books right on the cartridge. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The, the other way that we record audiobooks is that we might get recommended uh, an author. We get it approved by Wisconsin Talking Book and Braille Library. Then it goes through the same process we just talked about. The third way that we do audiobooks is we do individual requests. For those individual requests, we use our home readers who have very good microphones. It's still a good reading, but it's not read in a soundproof room. There are many books out there that just aren't available any other way. Books that we might record for individuals are memoirs, unusual topics that are interest of interest to individuals, maybe not a wide spectrum of individuals, and um, topics of interest for, for people. So those are the three ways that um, our audio materials um, come to us. We also do materials for organizations. So we do uh, a, a calendar for Vision Forward, for title. instance, and we do a material for the Milwaukee County Transit System. So we try to work with organizations so that individuals don't have to go out and look for their accessible material. But as there's a third way that books get recorded at ABLE, and that is through individual requests. We do record materials that go to just one person who requests that book. It could be a memoir, a book that's of particular interest to that one individual, or something that just isn't available any other way. For individuals, we do charge a fee, but we only charge the price of the book itself. So if that book is $10, that's what people pay. If that book is $15, that's what people pay. Both of you being podcasters know how much more it costs to produce a book, but we as an organization did not want to penalize individuals having to pay a different price for a book than uh, the rest of the public. We also, 
orders for companies uh, for the transit authority in Milwaukee, the, um, wait a minute, I'm sorry about this. I'm going to start over. I got to think about what the name of this, um, the Milwaukee Transit. That's okay. Okay. We also do books for organizations in Milwaukee, such as the Milwaukee County Transit System and Vision Forward. Okay, I even think I'm done with that topic. I, did that sound okay? Did it, yeah, that sounds great, actually. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. From what I've talked about, is there anything you want me to repeat before we talk maybe about other things? Um, Kimberly, what do you think? No, I, I think you're good. Yeah. I have a quick question. Yes. How do your people who record the book... How do they know how to pronounce certain words if they're different or in another language or a kind of a different name? We ask that all our volunteers study the book ahead of time so that they come prepared every time they read. What they need to do is look up words that they don't recognize. It's actually easier than the past because there are audio ways of using one's phone to get pronunciations. We actually had somebody who, it was uh, a book about the Hmong community, and that person had a contact in the Hmong community. So checked on different words that um, needed to be pronounced a certain way. We actually, as we are refining our techniques as an organization, we have changed up our procedures for getting volunteers for audio recording. We actually ask that they send us an audio file before we even process their application. They have to read three pieces for us. One is a dramatic piece about um, Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde with kind of dramatic a murder scene. Two other pieces are both uh, pieces from the Native American uh, culture, not just one Native American uh, tribe, but numerous tribes. Very difficult words to say. It's our expectation that they will look up those words and find out how to pronounce them. We have gotten amazing narrators this way. We just brought on three or four new narrators who did this uh, this recording process really well. It's a very good question. Okay. That's awesome. We have readers who started with us when we recorded on cassette and they were willing to move to digital. And we have other readers who instead of moving to digital, they became reviewers. So it's amazing how many people want to find a way to stay with us as volunteers once they've started with us. We used to joke that you got a life sentence at ABLE. Once you started volunteering with us, you were with us for life because (laughs) so many people stay with us over the long term. That's amazing. It must be a very welcoming environment. I know it was when I came. We work really hard to make it a welcoming space for people. I really need to go visit. We also challenge our volunteers, so we don't make it an easy place to to work. And, And what I mean by that is it's challenging in the production aspect. It's an easy place to work regarding relationships and building connection, but the jobs are hard and we don't, we don't make them easy in order to keep volunteers. Our volunteers feel very challenged and they're really up to the challenge. I'm just amazed at how much our volunteer team does. That's awesome. When I think about our staff team, most of our staff has a connection to our volunteers. We have 
nine staff. Most of us are part-time. We have just one full-time staff person right now. A number of us are 32 hours or 30 hours. And then we have a number of people at 20 hours and a few people at less hours than that. So we do our work with mostly a part-time staff team and about 50 volunteers. Oh, wow. Okay. We have a full active board of directors. We have uh, 10 people on our board right now plus myself and the management librarian at the Talking Book and Braille Library, Zarina. It's a okay. very well-working uh, board. That's awesome. That's great. I'm glad that you have a good team that can help put out books and, you know, you guys do a lot. We did about um, 85 projects in audio, including 45 books that went to WTBBL. Oh, wow. We did over 13,000 pages of Braille for schools, tactiles and other Braille assignments. And then, of course, we did thousands of other pages for um, either individuals or organizations serving adults. Okay, so do you guys only just serve Wisconsin? We focus on Wisconsin. When we have the time, we will take on orders. We certainly have done orders throughout the country. Oh, wow. Because we've moved to quick turnaround material in Braille, we don't take as many orders on from outside Wisconsin, but that doesn't mean we don't. It just depends on okay. where we're at um, in the school year. And of course, our audio program, that's what's special about our audio program is that we are now a national program because of our connection to mm -hmm. WTBBL and the National Library Service. Okay. I know this is like really off topic, but... I, like, just started reading Braille, um, and I want to improve my reading skills because I read like a little kid, and I'm not ashamed to say it. So, are there any, like, are there any books in particular that you could recommend somebody like me? Have you, have you, you tried the little children books that, you know, you could read to um, little children? Because there, you know, there's board books, um, there's books that there's space, there's blank line between um, the braille, and it okay. would be easier to read. But you would have a purpose; you'd be reading to somebody else. That is right. something I would recommend. Okay. And I don't honestly. We are not a library. I know that something that that people wished we were it just mm -hmm. to be able to do what we do and be a library too is really challenging but in madison there's the braille library and transcription services you can get books from there they do lend their books i would actually check that out okay. to see what we have for children's books i know that they do children's books um because they have a project with um the um OSCI, the Oshkosh Correctional Institute. So that's what I would okay. recommend. Okay, yeah, that'd be awesome. Because I, um, like I said, I'm trying to improve my Braille. And um, it'd be great. You Even can if it. I am reading well, little kids' books. Does, kids. You're right, it takes, it takes practice. And that would be a meaningful way to practice. There was a person when I was in training who read a children's book, like it was like Green Eggs and Ham or something mm -hmm. like that. And it was because it was so repetitive, like Sam I Am, Sam I Am, that they were given that book to read because then you're kind of getting to know those words it's it's kind of cementing those letters and words into yeah 
Have you tried flashcards, Angie? Because that I would haven't. Be I yeah, should. That... Well, that might be a fun project to do with a partner if you had somebody that made cards for you, or you know, we. I'd be happy to make cards for you. You know, Jennifer would. Really? I'm sure people would be happy to do cards for you. You know, we could talk about you know what's a focus area and just. Um, yeah, because then you that would be just awesome. Like I would seriously like take anything to be honest. Like that'd be great. I wouldn't mind um, flashcards. Because well, like I mentioned, Jennifer Wenzel is she taught uh, adults who were losing their vision. Oh Braille. wow! So she would have some ideas that I that I wouldn't have, but um, you know, chapters are always NFB chapters are always looking for projects. So wouldn't it be cool to develop some tools that that could be used, you know, for numerous people? And then it be you know becomes fun. What what I've said about Braille is, I would love for there to be ways for people to use and practice Braille that's fun and functional. Because people aren't going to read, you know, large Braille books like no. like uh, the past. You know, you want to use it for functionality. But there's so many other ways we can read. That's just not the way that, you know, many people are going to read as, right. as they lose vision. That right. And I can. Valuable. No, I know. And I can definitely say that, like, for me. I'm comfortable looking up a room number. I'm comfortable looking, you know, reading Braille on an elevator. Um, and I've labeled my washer and dryer in Braille and my microwave. So, like, for, like, those, like, little functional things, that's awesome. Like, and right. another thing, too, is I, um... I don't know what it is. It's it's a lot easier for me to read on a display. I don't have a display. But I do have braille paper and I have a braille writer. Like I, you know, I can read on a uh, you know, on braille paper, but right. a display makes it so much easier. I wouldn't mind helping you out otherwise, Angie, cuz it will get me practicing writing too. Okay. But yeah, it's up to you. I mean. No, I, I really need, like, I need the motivation. Like, I need somebody to just be like, hey, let's, let's do something, you know? And, you know, like, here, like, read these flashcards or something. Because, like, I have a love and hate relationship with Braille. Like, I love it when I can get it. But then when I don't, I'm like, I'll never get it. Like, that's how I was when I was in training. And my instructors know that, so. Right. And I think that's because you need to find functional ways to use it. And mm -hmm. it's interesting that if reading it on a Braille display, that's what most people do now anyways. So that Yeah, my VR refuses to, to get me one, though. My VR counselor's like, your reading skills aren't good enough for a display. <laughs> but that's how people are reading Braille now. Exactly. Right. I know. I wish VR counselors would understand that and be educated in that fact that it's it's you can differentiate the dots much better on a display than on paper or on a book where they're all bunched together. Right, exactly. Especially when you're an adult um, learning Braille because it's easier for any, like... And I mean, like, I mean, zero disrespect at all. Like, it's so easy for somebody who's who's born basically learning how to read Braille because that's all that's all they've ever known, which is awesome. Like, I admire that. I'm like, wow. You know, I'm like, oh, you read so fast. They're like, yeah, I've been doing it since I was three. And I'm like, wow, that's amazing. I know that I'll never, that won't ever be me. But again, like... As an adult learning Braille, like, I can, I can see how it can be challenging, because it was definitely challenging for me to learn the code, but it's not, it's not impossible. 
And the ways that you would use it, you know, in work, you would have documents on your Braille display. Mm -hmm. When you're giving presentations, you can be using your Braille display. You could, like when you're working in, in the NFB, you could do, when you're doing door prizes, you know, then you'd just have the names in Braille or you could have your agenda in Braille on a display so that you're not constantly having to, you know, figure out other ways to get that material so that you can multitask. Does that make yeah. sense? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Well, I'll tell you, for practice, you would be a great candidate for the Braille reader through the National Library Service. I don't know oh, when that's yeah. coming out, but um, are you a tester, Kimberly? Some people are testers. No, I'm not. What's that? Well, the, the Library of Congress does have a prototype of a Braille display. <gasps> oh, really? Um, oh. Yeah, yeah, for it, but it's for NLS books. You know, it's for reading um, oh. library books. Oh, yeah, yeah. I re remember you that. Right. You, I have you, a... can read, you can read other things, but it won't be, it won't replace, like I have a, a Brilliant 20, and I can download documents that I've worked on. You you can't do things like that, but it right. would be a great way to be practicing your Braille. I haven't heard an update on that. I can find out where that is in the process because it's about oh my god, please, like please a year and do. a half out in terms of people um, getting the displays for practice. Okay, but I I haven't heard an update so. I can uh, I can find out. Yeah, please I keep me posted. Braille, yeah, I use my Braille display for my homework for Braille transcription. I use it to write the agenda for the NFB meetings. I use it to write the questions for our episodes and download books. I mean, I read like on an everyday basis basis and I download the books from Bard and put it right on there. So you read what your your Bard books with your Braille display rather than audio? I do both. Okay. Yeah, Kim Kimberly's uh I know studying she's a Braille transcription. Power Braille user. Yeah. And I just learned it ten years ago and I fell in love because I felt like when I lost my vision that that was definitely a hobby of mine that was taken away from me and I was just so like elated that I could read again and I've always been a avid reader and so it's just something that I just love doing and I want to give back with learning to transcribe too. That's exciting. You know, you're a perfect example of somebody that would be a good support for you, Angie, in that you learned it as an adult. Yeah. You know, I, I learned it at the age of six. So, yeah. Which, I mean, people like you and Jennifer Wenzel, like, you guys are great too to teach people because it's, it's nice to have that. That somebody that's like, hey, I've been I've been doing this forever. Let me, you know, let me teach you. Let me show you the ropes. Right. Which I, is great. I just can't imagine not using Braille. I just love it. I I just make a grocery list and just carry a little note card in my pocket, so I'm not dragging stuff along with me. And I just, mm -hmm. you know, I just read my Braille list from my pocket. I mean, I pull it out too, but do you know what I mean? It's so handy that. It's just functional. I remember going to buy a washer and dryer and I just pulled out my slate and wrote down the model number. So sometimes it's just easier than than carrying a bunch of stuff along. Or, yeah. um, you know, those like, I think they're cute <laughs> because they look cute to me. Um, you know, those like little like mini like Braille um, displays. Yes that fit in your purse do you have one of those i have a 20 cell one it uh, if, if if i had a bigger purse it would fit in it but um i love it and i carry it around i it has a long strap so i just carry it with me 
Um, I used to have one of the bigger displays and I just found it as much as I like a 40 cell braille display, I like the portability. Yeah. yeah. But I'm talking about like the, like the itty bitty ones. Like, I don't remember if Jennifer Wenzel had something like that back when, but like, I, I, don't know if I, I think super tiny. It's mine is pretty small. I mean, it would definitely would fit in a purse. I think it's the 20 cell one you're thinking about because that's the one I bought the one that, that she has. You should interview Jennifer sometimes. She's just, I don't know. She's my hero. She is just. Oh, so we will. I, yeah. I need to. She, I, I've told her so many times. I'm like, you're like my NFB aunt. Cause like when I was at blind ink, like she was just super sweet. Like anything, like I wanted to go and talk to her about, I could talk to her about anything. And like, she was always just there and like super supportive and she was like, you can do this, you know, and she would kind of like cheer you on and just the sweetest. And oh my gosh, like she's amazing at the slate. Like I've never heard anybody slate so fast in my life. Yeah, yeah she has it's all crazy. the bases covered, you know, great braille reader, good slate <laughs> user, technology, and she's very unassuming about um, what she does. It, it never feels threatening when I ask her about technology or she'll walk me through things. And um, I just yeah. hope I'm a good, as good a friend to her as she is to me. She's helped Aww. me out many a time. She's yeah. amazing. She's wonderful. Like I absolutely um, really enjoy talking to her and she's, she's just so like encouraging and, um, and I, I just enjoy listening to her read in Braille. She uh, did our Apple Pie and Me book for, uh, our Apple Aww. Pie Around the World book Aww. for the Braille games. She was our reader for the book. I also use my display. I am a part of our community choir when it's not COVID. And there's about 180 people in the choir and I bring my Braille display after we get the music. I have a friend who types out the words for me, and then I put it on my display so I know the lyrics. Nice. Um, and then I learn the notes by hearing everyone. I'm an audible learner that way. I always mm -hmm. have been since when I was a print reader, the notes would be so tiny. Um, and so I just have that on my lap and sing along with everyone else. And it's gained me to have people, once they feel comfortable, it took a few semesters, but I finally had people come up to me and be like, what's that machine you're using? And then yeah, I was dying to ask and they finally get the courage, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So finally I educate them and I also bring those braille alphabet cards with me and then i'm like here here here's part of braille grade one braille and i explain it to them i'm like see if you can figure out what it says on the bottom and so i try to make it fun for them too and be like here's some that something that you can learn instead of me just talking about my machine right right kimberly are you coming to nfb convention Yes. Because I, I would like to suggest that you're on the agenda to talk about learning Braille as an adult. And oh, sure. How you use it. Can I do that? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're, you know, you're such a power Braille user. I, I never dreamed you learned it in adulthood. I, I thought you were a Braille reader uh, from a small child on. <laughs> So that, no. I think, yeah, that's inspirational. Yeah, and transcription, everyone was like, oh, that's so hard to learn. It's a really hard, hard certificate to get. And I was like, I want to try. Yeah, yeah. And then next year, Angie, you can be the one talking about being a power <laughs> grill user. You can yes, <laughs> I definitely need to work on my Braille game. That is that is one thing for sure. Um, I have to. <laughs> um, have the two oh of you gosh. also thought about being, you know, being on the agenda to talk about podcasting? 
I would love to. I need to figure out whether I'm going to make it to state convention because just it's lacrosse is like so far and I'd have to really figure out like the logistics like buses and then who I would room with because I haven't even had the chance to figure that out yet. I wonder if somebody, I wonder if there will be a bus from Madison. I don't mean to digress, but I'm just thinking uh, just the two of you are just so dynamic. It would be, <laughs> it'd be great to have you talk about podcasting. I wouldn't want to do it without Angie because it was her Aww. baby. <laughs> I wouldn't want to do it without Kimberly either. I'd be like, um. <laughs> well, maybe, but, you know, if you, if, if there's transportation figured out. Um, yeah. Yeah, another thing I would have to figure out is the roommate situation, too. Because um, I haven't even toyed with that yet. Right. I've been, like, so focused on, like, looking for a job that everything else I haven't even thought about. Right, right. Yeah, I, that makes sense. But, yeah, um, I definitely want to uh, continue to work on my braille reading skills. Um, when I was in training, the training director, she actually learned braille as an adult. And she went upstairs to the braille technology room and I was reading on a display. Um, and, you know, she was listening to me read and she said, you know, she's like, I really like to listen to adults who have just learned to code read because, you know, she said it, it makes me think of me when I learned it. Ah. And she said that it's, it's just great to see people learn the code and get it and to be able to read it. And, you know, again, like no, uh, you know, not to say anything about, about those who, who've, who've learned it early, but Braille, I, it's not, it doesn't come as easy to somebody who's learning it as an adult, you know, versus, like, a child, because, like, you know, we all know this, like, kids, like, they, they're like little sponges, they absorb everything, so it's super easy, you know, for them to get a language or, or to, to learn, uh, a different, reading medium because braille is not a language it's a different medium of reading right which is what a lot of people don't don't get so i guess it would be the same thing as like a child learning french or spanish versus an adult right you know right obviously the child's gonna pick it up quicker than the adult would right for sure bill would tell you that as an adult you know he learned it and he used it um, every day on the job. But if he has to do a presentation and he has his braille notes, he said, Cheryl, you just don't get it. The dots, they just all blur together. They just all look like one mass of dots. Like yep. <laughs> you think you, you know, he knows how to read it, but then when he's nervous, it just all blends together. Yeah. That's what happens to me on paper. So when I would write something in Braille, I would space it out. So, like, I'll write one sentence, then have, like, you know, do the return key, and it'll be just one space, and then do the return key again and write another sentence. So, right. because, and I know that it's, Braille's not supposed to be written that way, but it's just, like, when it's, when it's, like, when there's no spaces in between sentences, to me... It just feels like so bunched together. Like, you know, I'm like, what am I reading? Like, is my finger on the right letter? You know? Right. Um, Well, that's how I learned Braille as a child. You know, we started with um, learning the code and then we had flashcards and then we had books that were single sided, uh, double spaced. You know, so we, we learned over time. uh, And as we learned, then the, then it was not double spaced anymore, and then it was uh, double sided, but it didn't start out that way. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Sister Mel Marie was an amazing woman. She 
went back to school to become a teacher of the blind at the age of 20. She just traveled with us our whole lives. So not only was she supportive as a teacher during our grade school years, she continued to work with her students in high school and college. We had a singing group and we would go and practice in a room in high school. We would do summer tutorials with her. I don't know if either of you know about the Opticon. It was a, a reading, a print reading machine and it's no. done with vibrations on your finger. Well, we would go to her class and room in the summer and she would teach us how to use the Opticon. So she just followed her students throughout the lifespan. She would come to my ABLE fundraising volunteer luncheon, for instance, every year until she wasn't able to anymore. Uh, I, I used to talk to her long into adulthood past uh, when she was my teacher. She believed, she believed in kids, no doubt about it. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. As a teacher, she did things that, you know, there are such strict rules now. She would take us to her brother's cottage in the summer. And so we, you know, we'd go swimming and inner tubing. Um, used to, our singing group used to go all over and we, you know, go to nursing homes and mm. um, weddings and funerals. And she would drive us. She just went above and beyond what, what teachers actually have even the, you know, the authority or ability to do now. Wow. Yeah, she's, she's definitely one of my heroines, that's for sure. It's always good to have a hero. Yep. Well, is there anything else, Kimberly, that you want to ask Cheryl? Or Cheryl, is there anything that you want to add? No. I think it's good. No problem. Okay. okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll be Thanks nervous. I'm glad for your expertise. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, that's what we're here for. And thank you so much, Cheryl, for joining us today. It's been great to have you on and great to learn about you and Abel and, and what Abel is dedicated to do and all the work that they've done for you know, students in school and um, blind residents in Wisconsin. And it's just, it's just great. Yeah. Thank, thank you, both of you. I, you know what, I have one other idea just for a podcast and maybe you've done this is if, if uh, you had an, maybe a few of us talk about being blind parents. I don't know if you've done. You know what? We've been wanting to do that forever. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's something that's like, we're like, we need to do this, you know, and I've, I've thought about that so much because I think it's important for people to, to know that, hey, blind people can parent, like they have the ability to parent, like right. not having vision, that doesn't mean that you can't parent or that you can't look after a child. Right, or, right. Well, you know, I certainly love to be a part of it, but we certainly have numerous blind parents in the state, so... You know, that, that there's other people that, you know, could do that, too. I think it'd be really cool if we did it in, like, a panel setting. That's what I would recommend, because you have different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah, we've done series before, and we could just do, like, a series and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I want to, I think you, for sure, and Jennifer Wenzel, too. That'd be great. And I'm trying to think of who else. Maybe somebody who has a, ch a child now. We've, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if Carissa. I know. was thinking Maybe. Carissa. Yeah. Because I know she's got a baby got a boy. Baby. Who else just had a baby? Um, hmm. Anyways, I bet we could among us figure out. Um, but yeah, I'd love to be a part of that. I just... It's just one sure. of the greatest joys. And now our oh, son is 28 yeah. and he's, uh, he works for the Forest Service. He's a wildland firefighter manager in dispatch. And it just, oh wow, it just uh, to see him grow up and move on and uh, 
yeah, it was, it, it's just great. Yeah, that'd be great. But yeah, we've been wanting to do that for like the longest time. Well, cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for this opportunity to, to share with you um, all about ABLE and my role in it, as well as our growth over the, over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Thank okay. you so much for coming yes. on. And um, we will definitely let you know when the episode is released. And... All right. Okay. okay. Thank you, ladies. Thank you you know. both have a great afternoon. You're welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. Me too. That makes me very happy. Me too. All right. All right. right. Bye-bye. All right, guys. So this concludes our episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. So thank you again to the lovely Cheryl Orgus, who is the director of ABLE, for joining us today on this episode. You guys know where to find us. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please join the Patreon. We will definitely make the effort to get a bit more active on Patreon. And if you have any suggestions for other episodes or questions, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and email us. Kimberly, do you want to give them the email? Our email is this is what blind looks like pod at gmail.com. Tune in next time and don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Bye!